0: Welcome to the Northridge Church Podcast, a weekly rewind of Sunday's talk. Amen. Well, again, I say thank you to the worship team for leading us this, this time. And I also say again, welcome to you as you're on this online experience. Uh, My name's Tony Turner. I serve as the lead pastor at Northbridge Church, and uh, I've had many opportunities the last few weeks to speak on meeting platforms, on virtual platforms, to speak in my office, to speak in my home, even come up here and share messages with you last week as the greeter, as the host, Um, but it's a little bit different. This is my first opportunity to actually open up God's Word and, and to speak to you. Um, in, in a message format. So it's uh, kind of a, a interesting, a nervous experience. Uh, you know, this whole, whole week for many of us, there have been a lot of nervous experiences, I would expect. I know for myself personally, uh, I had a moment uh, on Sunday after services were over last week. I, I found myself out there hunting in the wilderness uh, for toilet paper and for essential supplies and beginning to uh, look for those things. And there was just a moment, just a moment where anxiety began to creep into my, into my mind, uh, began to feel like we did not have, that we would be without. And there was just about two seconds of borderline panic beginning to come into me. And I was able to fight that off to use some of the tools that we've talked about and taught on of, of of prayer and of just going back to remembering about god's presence in our life that helped me deal with that i I also connected with some people uh, a good friend of ours, a leader in our church that is uh in the back uh, he 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 deals with supply chains for for grocery stores, and so I was able to call ed and just say ed what's what's going on here? Do I have reason to be nervous and he shared with me some of the science behind resupplying stores that are depleted and and we roll into the week then and discover the or experience the stay at home order as as all of you had also and Dana began to do the at home school curriculum that was provided for us and and so she's teaching Dax a few hours every day and and at the end of the week someone from St. Louis a friend of mine from St. Louis asked said so what's it like at the Turner household and And I was able to say, you know, as I thought through all of those experiences that we had been racking up through the week, best way I could describe it was I said, you know, it's kind of like Mad Max meets Little House on the Prairie. Uh, Kind of the both of those worlds come colliding together. And so perhaps that's the way it is for you as well. Uh, I hope not though. Uh, But it begs the question of, of just asking us, How do we respond? Where do we go to when we are in a new scenario? We've heard that over and over in the media, in print, online, uh, in the news, that we're in a spot that we've never been in as a country. We're in a place that we've never walked as a society. So, therefore, how do we respond? Uh, Where do we go? Well, for me... I, I was trained in, in college and university as a historian, so I tend to go to the past. I look to the past. And, and one of the things that we need to recognize is uh, we are not the first ones to be in this kind of situation. We are not the first ones to be in this kind of crisis, friends. Even the biblical record shows and gives us a template for how People can respond, how people can live, how people can even thrive in the middle of tough, tough seasons in life, including pandemics that stretch across the globe. And So a, a unique passage of scripture that I turned to this week to just get information and get insight is the book of Joel. I invite you, if you have a copy of scripture, turn to Joel. Now, if you're scriptures are on your phone, you can just hit the button, Joel, and it'll take you there. If you have a hard copy of the Bible, Joel is a hard hard book to find. You go to Ezekiel, then you go past that to Daniel, then past that is Hosea, then right past Hosea is Joel, okay? And Joel describes in chapter one, Joel is telling about a vision, uh, or not a vision, but an actual invasion of that he experiences in in Israel, in Judah, uh, an invasion of locusts that destroy everything. Everything is eaten up, all the crops, all the green life, all the trees, all the plants, all the grass. Everything has been eaten by, by these locusts. And then evidently a drought comes after that. So the earth is not able to replenish. And out of that locust invasion and that long-term drought. They are experiencing economic uncertainty, civil unrest, social collapse, in a word, chaos. The people in Joel's time are living in a chaotic situation. That's chapter one. Chapter two, uh, Joel goes on and says, there's another army coming to the people. There's another army about to invade. Now, there's huge debate in, in uh, Old Testament circles about what is that army? Is that army another invasion of locusts to come through for a round two uh, in, a, in the second year, a following year, another invasion of locusts? to eat everything. Some people think that. Some people think that it was literally a physical army, another a great nation rising up to destroy Israel. I, I'm i not educated enough to give a, a good opinion about that. Was it an actual army or was it a metaphorical army of locusts? I don't know, but it's in this time of fear in this time of dread that Joel then speaks the message from God that's found in Joel chapter 2, starting at verse 12. Joel says and speaks on behalf of the Lord, he says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Return to God, Joel proclaims. Reject religion and embrace a true friendship with God. And he gives a promise that God will restore. God will restore everything that has been lost to that point. Joel goes on in verse 20, the second part of verse 20, saying, surely he has done great things. God has done great things. Verse 21, do not be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. In other words, Joel is reminding us that this is a season, this season of drought that they're going through, the season of these locusts coming and eating all of the green things. It is a season that has to be gone through. It is a season that has to be walked through. It is tough. It is traumatic. But it is a season. It begins and it ends. Friends, wherever you find yourself today, take heart in knowing that what you're going through is a season. It is a season. There's a start and there will be a finish to it. There will be a time that you walk through that, yep, there's gonna be struggle. There's going to be uncertainty. There's going to be doubt. There's also going to be hope. There's also going to be joy. There's also going to be unexpected Uh, findings of kindness around you, but it's a season. You start it, you go through it, and then you finish it. That's what was happening with the people in Joel's day. Verse 23, he continues to speak, and he says, Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before, Again, a reminder that the drought was here, but now it's gone because he does send rain to to the earth. In verse 24, the threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. Why is that? Because the Lord is about restoring what we've lost, and he is telling us that when we go through times of loss, those are seasonal, a beginning and an end. A beginning and an end. And then Joel goes on to explain and expand. In verse 25, he writes, he says to the people of Judah, I will will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locusts that swarm, my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I, that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. This is a verse that is worthy of our consideration today, friends. It's a passage that is worthy for us to be reminded of here because God makes some very specific promises to, to the people of Judah and to Joel in his day. And even though these promises are tied to a very specific geographic region at a very specific time, in a very si- specific situation, I maintain that they have been recorded in Scripture because we can extrapolate from those promises some characteristics of who God is. And we can know that even though we are in a different age, we are in a different season, we are in a different time, we can still extrapolate these promises of who God is uh, and what God has done, and we can put them into our lives. We can own them for ourselves. In this passage, God makes a promise that he will repay Israel. He will repay Judah for what they've lost. Now, friends, months ago, Pastor Dave mentioned this last week, uh, months ago, we planned this sermon series, and, and we were going to talk, months ago, we were going to talk today about how God restores to the people when they've lost things. We had no clue that this was going to happen. We had no clue that we'd be in this situation today. Uh, months ago, as I owned and said that I would speak into the God, that only God can restore into people's lives, I was prepared to talk about people who've experienced loss through death, through through maybe losing a job, people people who experienced loss through maybe dealing with, with hostilities at work or dealing with rebellious children, people that have dealt with loss with just relational setbacks in their lives and true those things are still happening today we haven't taken a break from all of those pressures but on top of it we've added to what this this corona pandemic has brought to us and the reality is this if you out there sitting there wherever you're at in your love seat or your easy chair and your kitchen table with your family if there's a part of you that feel like you've been robbed, that something has been stolen from you, that you've been cheated by, by life, that you've been abused, whether it's because of the experience that's happened today in these past few weeks or because of something that's happened to you years and years ago, you feel like something has been stolen from you. God, There is a God who has said that everything you have lost in your life, God will repay. God will restore it and so much more. And so today, if you are living in this lost mindset, that things have been just unfairly taken away from you, there is a God in heaven who says when you, if you stay faithful to him, if you look to him, you can experience him to repay, to restore everything. We also see in this passage of Joel chapter 2, verse 25 through 27, that God will give you plenty. Not only does God repay, God will give plenty to you. He will he says it right there in his scriptures, you will have plenty to eat until you are full you will have everything that you need. I go to the New Testament where Jesus is teaching us about trusting in his father. And he says, look at the birds of the field and look at the flowers that they're, they're, they're clothed with such splendor that not even Solomon could clothe himself. The birds of the air, even though they, uh, they go around, they have plenty to eat. And if God cares to feed the birds, if God cares enough to clothe the, the flowers in the field, how much more will he care for his children today, is what Jesus asks us. We know that God will give us plenty. And when we receive plenty from God, friends, do not forget. Because here we see in the scripture that what do these people do as they eat and they are full. They praise God for the abundance. So I will say this, when fullness comes back into your coffers, when you are repaid with the things that you've lost the last week, two weeks, don't go on as life as usual. Don't pretend that this is one chapter you can forget. But may this experience drive you to your knees and praise your living God. May this experience remind us that we, we are just human beings and we are not the gods and the masters of our own fate, but we, may we be reminded that there is a God in heaven who loves us, who knows where we're at, and who promises to repay us. He promises to give us what we've lost and he promises us to give us plenty. And may that, may that be something we will never, never forget. And then God says in verse 27, then you will know that I'm in Israel. When I do these things, my friends, my prayer is that as we come through this pandemic and life returns to normal, whatever normal looks like in this day and age, that we, that we will know God. We will remember him during that time. That God will be known. My prayer is that as people call out to him during this time of tragedy, that when the times of abundance come back, those same people do not forget their pleas to the Lord. But instead, there would be a vibrant faith. There would be a vibrant faith that stays there. So we look at this God. Why why can we trust that this God who said these things to Judah some some. Three thousand years ago, could say them to us today. Well, we need to be reminded. We need to think: Who is God? Yes, God is holy. Yes, God is righteous. God is also merciful. God is also abounding in goodness. The the best friend of Jesus, a young man named John, as he grew older and became a leader in the church, one day was asked. He was asked by many people: Describe who is God? How would you say? God is, how would you define God? And he would answer it with one word and he would just say, God is love. Here's the reality today. No matter where you're at, friend, take this home and take this message as an encouragement. I promise you, God loves you. Oh, maybe you've heard it thousands of times over, your, over, over the years, over your lifespan. My hope, my prayer today is in this very moment that when you hear these terms, it pierces through whatever, whatever skin you've developed over the years, whatever calluses you've built up, whatever coldness has been accumulated in your life. The reality is that God loves you so much he sent his son to die for you, to make a path that you might know him deeper and better than just your creator but you would know him as your father. Why? Because because this world, as we've been reminded, is a broken world. Why is this world broken? This world is broken because of sin that abounds in this world. Sin against us, sin that we cause on other people. This world is broken, and you are broken because of sin. And because this world is broken, because we're broken, we cannot know God as our father. We can only know him as creator. But Jesus came to punch through that barrier by dying on a cross. And we can know God, not because of our own hard work, not because of our personal piety or our goodness, because of our good deeds. We don't know God because we just do the right things a little more than other people. We come to know God as Father by trusting in Jesus and what he did for us when he walked this earth. We believe that he is the Son of God and was raised from the dead. We call upon him to save us and to take leadership of our lives. In this very moment, friends, as we conclude uh, this time together, I would challenge you, there's many people, no doubt, that are Christ followers tuned in listening to me today. There are many people from Northbridge Church that's part of our congregation that are Christ followers, and all this should do is is simply reinforce what you've been taught, reinforce what you believe, and just remind you to to praise God for the salvation that is in your life, but for those people who are maybe tuning in because you're hoping to have a message, you're hoping to hear some words of hope and comfort in in this comfortless time, in this hopeless time from some people's perspectives, I would say to you, I would invite you that today, this very moment, you would believe that Jesus rose from the dead and he is who he said he was, which is the son of God coming to come to, to free us from sin and, and give us new life through a relationship with his, with his God, with the father. And that we would not only believe that, but we would call upon his name and say, Jesus, in this very moment, would you forgive me of my sin? Would you take my sin debt from me? Would you come into my life and change me from the inside out? Would you be my Lord? Would you be my Savior? Would you would You save me, God? Thank you for that salvation. That's the greatest thing that could happen to you in this very moment. If you've never called upon the Lord, I invite you to do that right now. You can do that in your living room. You can do that in your car. You can do that in your kitchen. You can do that in your family room or your basement or your bedroom. You don't have to have a pastor uh, beside you. You don't have to be in the middle of a congregation to call upon the name of God for salvation today. What I'm going to do in just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And this prayer is something very similar to what I prayed as a young man when I called upon the Lord to save me. And, and if this reflects your heart, I would invite you just to just to maybe take my prayer and make it your prayer. And you just pray these words or you pray something like it to God in which you call upon him to save you. And, 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 and I'd also say this, that when you do that, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to know that you're out there and you made a decision to follow Christ. Maybe perhaps it was a first-time decision to follow Christ. I'd love to know that you made that, that change in your life. I'll talk a little bit in a moment about how you can do that. So pray with me in this very moment. Father, we thank you for this day. And Lord, as I am about to just pray a prayer that I prayed a long time ago, I... I ask uh, God, just I, I know you will hear the prayer of, of other people as they call out to you for the first time. and So God, as your people are praying this, God, I need you. And folks, if this is your prayer, then just repeat it after me. God, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Heal me and change my heart. I believe Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. I invite Jesus to take leadership and control of my life. Guide me and direct me from this day forward. Thank you for saving me, God. In Jesus' strong name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about Northbridge Church, you can find us online at mynorthbridge.org.